MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, listen. Hey everybody, welcome to another one-upsmanship, no bit, just a grim, straight, informational <laughs> intro. That's what you deserve, but but it's because we want to get right into it, because we got a lot to talk about today, and here with me, Michael Swain, to talk about it is another person. That person's me, Adam Ganser. This is your only zero-bit video game conversation. That's uh, right. Yeah. Completely straightforward. <laughs> Information no, only. Wink nor sly nod do you get. Um, because because it's such a big, juicy episode. And what makes it so juicy? I mean, before we started rolling, we were talking about, I think, juicy tongue slaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is a phrase that's now clearly stuck in my brain forever. Uh, who's here with us? Welcome our special guest. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm special guest. Uh, I'm Vanessa Guerrero. I've been on this podcast before to talk about video games and feelings, and I'm so excited to do it again. That's right. And thanks for highlighting that I'm phrasing everything very strangely this episode <laughs> by echoing it back to me. And I go, huh, that sounds weird. People don't say it that way. Um, so I guess that's the bit. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I, about in the same yeah. place. Like I've, I've noticed I've been like talking weird for the last 24 hours because I keep doing that thing yeah. where like I want to be more escalated than I am. But then I'm like, but I'm super chill. So it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm feeling weird, well, then, dog. Then we keep saying the word bit, which is a video game word. So your comedy brain starts trying to put together a bit out yeah. of that. And you're like. Can we just chill for a goddamn second and not make jokes? <laughs> can Let's we just, just relax and talk about have video a games? chat? Yeah, can we yeah, just exactly. have a chat for God's sake? Although I gotta just say for free. this one, there was never a guest in my mind that we could never do this without Vanessa. Like this is <laughs> this is Vanessa essential to me. This particular podcast, despite the fact that she often I'm goes honored. by Ness, spelled N E S. And this is an Xbox series, whatever, or PS5 game. Okay. It's not I'm on PS5. I'm just going to stop trying with the yeah. bits. 
The bits are done. Oh, is it not on PS5? <laughs> I don't think so. Is it? I, oh, I it think is, it just came out on Xbox. It's the absolute last uh, PlayStation game for Double Fine. Um, they made oh, yeah, sure okay, to include it. Yeah, they made sure to include it because it was a promise on the uh, initial Kickstarter. But from this point, now that they're uh, now that they're working exclusively with Xbox and Microsoft, it's from here on out. It's just going to be Xbox and Microsoft. But one of Double Fine's specific like asks when they were merging with Xbox was that they honor their promises of the Kickstarter, which was including a PlayStation version. Yeah, it's on everything. Yeah. Um, okay. In, except I, Switch. And uh, let me just say, Adam, Yeah. I'm, I'm just host to host now. We promise bits. Our bits have sucked. We promised information. <laughs> and we were Vanessa wrong. Vanessa just brought the information. That's okay? why she's so on the show. <laughs> can we just, <laughs> I'm just talking to you now. We got to step this up, man. We got to save this. Okay? I'm so, yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's on all the platforms because of those things Vanessa said so astutely. So let's get into it and talk about Psychonauts 2. As I tweeted when I encountered the start screen, I, w- I actively waited 16 years for this game. And I chose the word actively very intentionally. I mean, yep. I thought about this game a lot. <laughs> like I thought many times a year, man, I wonder if we'll get that Psychonauts 2 ever. And it's finally here. And not only is it here, it's digested. And I get to talk about it with my friends, which is my favorite part of any media experience. So let's get right into it by passing a checkpoint, which in this game means that something and moving on. There was the there's a spot for the checkpoint sound. That's all we're really doing it for. Something to hang the sound effects off of. So moving on. God damn it, Adam. The wheels are falling off the bus so early this time. I feel like and it's you a got, game I care about. You got psyched out. That's what happened. Like you, like yeah, you've you, been I waiting just, sixteen years for this. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, what happened. I, like, I need everyone to listen listening to know how real this is. This has been a frequent topic of conversation since the day you and I met. It's true. Yeah, yeah like, absolutely. And when I joined IGN, they, when you get hired at IGN, they make you publicly announce your favorite game of all time. And I said Psychonauts. And I found out no one's ever said that. What? And I, you know what I mean? Like people will say Goldeneye and they'll be like, ah, oh, you're in good company. And I'm like, you're kidding me. So someone's got to go to bat for Psychonauts. It's incredible. And Vanessa and I are completely aligned on that. Yep. Um, yeah. So love the IP. Maybe my favorite game of all time. Adam... To give us a re, why don't you give us a recap of of how you felt during our Psychonauts one episode? Because we've already done that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Let's get some context here. That's fair. I, so Psychonauts was a very touchy proposition as a podcaster for me uh, because <laughs> I I think it's a good game. Uh, I don't think it's an incredible game, uh, but I know Mike thinks it's incredible. So every version of that conversation that I had in my mind was like, I'm going to have to be a little generous with it. Uh, and then I played the game and also, and so like, I feel like I was a little, uh, too accommodating to Psychonauts the first time through in our podcast. Um, I do think it's very good. I think, uh, I, I won't say too much about what I think about this game yet. Uh, but this is definitely a sequel and, uh, I, and it's definitely everything a sequel should be for a property like that. 
I think um, that's what it said on the box art. This is definitely a sequel. <laughs> it yeah. should be. Hi, hi, praise from Caesar, my friend. No, but that is to say, I don't mean that in like a smug, like, this is the second one. I mean it in the sense it's that, like... It's certainly a film. <laughs> right, right. This was motion pictures. No, so I mean that it's definitely... it. it it sort of implies that you've played the first one, that you understood it. I think that's like kind of a background. And also, uh, it's it's definitely delivering to an audience who expects it. Like, who expects it to be a certain way. Whereas I don't think Psychonauts 1 was doing that. But I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to ruin my rant. Okay. That sounds yeah. like part of your rant. So let's just get into our the segment that we're nominally already in, which is... Oh, my God. The speed run. Tell me like I'm 8-bit. Now it's called the speed run. Is that right? Yeah, you're right. We didn't think of a more clever name. It's just it just is the the speed run. Yeah, yeah, we're we're bad at this podcast. This, yeah, uh, but yeah, what if you made it like the speed run, like D A, yeah. like the speed yeah, run, the speed, speed run. run. Yep. Yeah. That's why you are a paid punch up writer. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Let's let's have our guest Vanessa Dane us with the speed run, if yeah. you would. I'm gonna go ahead and start the clock. Not yet, but soon. And you're going to tell someone who's never heard of Psychonauts before, like, the heart of what is Psychonauts 2 is about, as quickly as you can. Start the clock. Okay, Psychonauts. Uh, we begin shortly after Rhombus Ruin, which is an amazing uh, VR game that you should have played at some point if you have access to that. Anyways, uh, they are en route to the mother load, uh, load lobe after capturing Lobato, and we open with what feels like a boring office scenario, but is actually a setup to try and get Lobato to say who he works for. Um, and you're in this very great teeth world that I started to learn that maybe I actually have like a fear of teeth. Anyways, um, then you. <laughs> You uh, eventually get to the actual Psychonauts HQ and you meet a new character named Hollis who uh, you're pretty sure is the rat. You're kind of sure everyone is the rat at some point. Oh, wait, there's a rat in the... Uh, there's a mole. There's a mole in Psychonauts. That's the whole point. Oh, my God. I psyched myself out, too. I get it now, Swaim. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. There's, a, there's a mole in the Psychonauts and they're trying to figure out exactly who it is, Raz specifically, um, while also learning a new power inside of Hollis's brain because what are children if not, like, very eager but, like, don't know the means of... Uh, nope. Go past that. Go back. Go out of the story. Go out of the story. Uh, you're also starting <laughs> to learn about a new character uh, villain that the Psychonauts had faced before that is clearly trying to get, be revived uh, named... Uh, what 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 name do I want to use for Ma- here? Maligula. Uh, uh, Maligula. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Maligula, uh, who drowned a bunch of people in Grulovia beforehand, which is just so happens to be where Raz was from. Um, and then eventually you realize that the male guy is actually somebody else in his body, and that there's a great Jack Black <laughs> oh, character that's a. Oh, wow. Oh my God! I'm completely. They all live happily ever after. <laughs> Stop the clock. <laughs> the clock melted like some Dali painting before you, our eyes. You destroyed the entire Sonic franchise there. Like he, Ford Crawler like, yeah. is, is the man's name, I think. Yeah. That we were trying to... Man, I, I knew you were fucked as soon as you decided to interpret the prompt as a plot synopsis. Because you need to know so much. The plot is yep. so I know. technically detailed and has so much previous knowledge. I thought you'd say, like, <laughs> it's a 3D platformer where you're, you're psychic spies. 
stop the clock. But you know, Here's the it's thing. that kind of episode. So I've I'm done happy the speed run that. for more difficult no. to interpret games on this show. I've done that's it for right. a Fallout game that I hadn't played in years. Yet for some reason, yeah, if you give the too. computer too much information than it likes, it just goes to loading screen real fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, mm. So that's, well, that's where I'm what at. happened here. Let's bail on this segment. Let's go right <laughs> past another checkpoint. Right. Um, I'm just gonna which means jump. You know, there's, yep, you. there's fast travel in this game. You can like zip from one corridor of the lobe to another, which I really appreciated. That's right. So we yeah. took a leap through the uh, Jungian interconnected subconscious and uh, went into a different person's brain to find out something horrible that they have deeply repressed because it's fun. It's a children's game. And now we're in the rant section. Uh, I, that's arguable. I think I, it's I a, don't think I it's think a children's it's game. A, no. Uh, I, we'll get I, to that. I have but a, Adam... I have a preferred order for this. Uh, has a preferred order. I do. This, I think what I was going to say. So go for it, Adam. I think the order should be you, and then it should be me, and then it should be Vanessa. That's what I think. That is an unprecedented order we've never done before. I know. So let's try it because everything's going so well already. <laughs> hey, why not? Um, I'll rant first. Player one, Michael Swain, plugging in and ranting at you. See, the rants have a whole thing. Plugging in, player one. It bothers me that it's just called speed run. Okay. Psychonauts 2, <laughs> a game I've waited for for a long, long time. As Vanessa expertly wove the many threads together <laughs> before our eyes, uh, it actually did remind me of things I like even more about this game. But I think Adam's about to be very surprised because my uh, major takeaway from this game is that it turned me into the fan I hate, which is that I like the old stuff better, man. Whoa. And uh, I feel like it's there's still so much to like about this, and I was so excited, and I'm still and like I'm like the yuck someone's yum guy, or I'm I'm now that because I'm compelled to talk about the game because I do a podcast, I do want to cover it. Uh, or maybe I'm trying to not give Adam what he wants or not be cast in that role, but I'm leading with the fact that I did feel as it went that maybe I'm just older now, but I'm like, where's that sense of magic I felt from the lungfish level or the, and it didn't have as many of those for me. And what it had more instead was a feeling of like, this is a bunch of people who are really good at game design who have all this shit all buttoned up and have done it for decades, doing it again, very, very competently. Um, but everything felt like a safe choice. And the stuff that really delighted me the most, like the concept of your fast travel being a Jungian collected consciousness, like literally just that thought pun or whatever, or, or you know, the various ideas, they were, all the ideas that are my favorite ideas are in play in one. So... It's great as an update. It should be played. It's more Psychonauts. But I think Adam will be surprised to hear that I'm like, it was good. Um, there are a couple moments that really blew me away that we'll dig into. And that's more than most games give me a moment that blows me away. But not as much as Psychonauts. And I don't know if that's a commentary on Psychonauts, Psychonauts 2, the nature of sequels, or the nature of being a young man and playing something. And being So 16 years ago, I was... 20 that's not that young but i felt so that's still a little old to be feeling childlike wonder like psychonauts gave me such a feeling of childlike wonder where i felt pure unbridled imagination at play and psychonauts too i felt 
really good, competent game design at play, which is great. You want that. Um, but it felt a little more controlled and, and a little more, uh, none of the levels were as innovative in the way that Psychonauts 2 kept flipping the, the fucking, like wow. there's no Milkman level equivalent. This game never rises to that height. Wow. All right. Wow. Wow, uh, a stunning rant from uh, from from Michael Swain. Stunning. Uh, player two grimly hand- taking the controller from the corpse of Mike's idealism. Uh, hey, so I thought this was good. I like this game. Uh, I thought this game was better than the first game. What a reversal! No, no I thought it was better. Um, I thought it was much better than the first game. Um, I see what Mike is saying about how none of the level design... Uh, is as conceptually innovative as previous as the previous game. Like I see how there's no the level. The cooking show was close. But yeah, that yeah, was yeah. About it. I see yeah. how there's no level where you are a giant crushing a city full of lungfish, or how you're there's no X Files level. You know what I mean? Like that that stuff doesn't exist. But what I think this game did that the first one failed to do is use the conventions of uh, this this premise, which is traveling into people's brains, to actually illuminate more clearly what's going on in that person's life than the first one did, which to me is the greatest thing about this franchise. This game did that so much better than the first game did in two ways. One, it picked people whose stories matter to the larger plot, so it wasn't as disorganized as the first game was. Like as much as we liked the lungfish level or the milkman level, who gives a shit about those two characters? They don't matter, right? Or my favorite level of all, Napoleon guy. But why do you even? You, who gives a shit? Ever? They're they're yeah. not part of the story. <laughs> Whereas I mean, and I, and I mean that in like a narrative sense, right? So I understand mm. that people enjoy it and that it's cool conceptually. I've never d- disputed that. But like as a storyteller, those things are offshoots from the story. Whereas in this game. Every person's brain you go into is actually purposeful and there's emotional revelations. Some of them are very profound. Like there's one character who's an alcoholic and uh, I don't want to say everything about the level quite honestly because I thought that was some of the best storytelling I've ever seen in game design. I was like, wow, this is fucking incredible. Um, I think it's like the best level for that in this game. It's not the most fun. Um, so there's a lot of that. There's a lot to be praised here. I think that it's a sequel in the sense that they added more stuff and most of the stuff they added was better. Um, they enhanced and perfected what Psychonauts did, uh, in terms of game mechanics so that it was better. It's still not very good. The shooting is not very good. The punching is not very good. The platforming is not very good. And I don't mean not very good. Better than one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean not very good like it's bad. I mean not very good like, hey, man, the standard is Mario, and it's not even close. You know, like, uh, and I get that it's an indie-funded game, and I'm happy to concede that for what they have resource-wise, it's fantastic. I'm happy to right away set aside any dispute about Tim Schafer's place on Mount Rushmore. Put his face on there. I totally get it. I totally agree. It's still not as good of a game mechanically. That's just true. Um, I also... Well, and level design innovation. I'm sorry, it's a rant. Never mind. That's Go okay. Ahead. That's okay, buddy. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to hear your pushback. I really am. So uh, I don't care about Grulovia. Um, I don't care. And uh, I don't care... Smirch the people I, I just don't care. I, like, that, that story is hard to care about. I think all the other interpersonal pieces of the Maligula story and how she matters 
are interesting, but I think the the large sort of uh, catharsis to it all falls a little flat because it's all sort of a remote event that we don't completely or clearly understand, and that's a storytelling failure. Otherwise, I genuinely liked it, and that is my rant. All right, player three. This is it. Must be an N sixty. What had what was the first with four plugs? Was that the N sixty four? I think so. With four player capabilities. Well, yeah. you could get those. You could get those like uh in like those strips. You know that would Tabs. add. They would add mm. ports. Uh, even on oh. Nintendo, I believe, like the original. Okay. Nintendo system. I'm always yeah. trying to figure out what theoretical console this podcast is, but I I guess we still don't know because we could be using a cube tap. So, uh, Vanessa. I killed some time there. Are your thoughts assembled enough for a rant? I think so. Do it. I think I'm ready. All right. First and foremost, I'd like to just get out of the way up top. Mike and I have both discussed this, uh, that one of our mutual worst shared traits is that we'll overlook just about anything for Amazing Story. Uh, And I overlook a lot for Amazing Story. I overlook the fact that the first game mechanically wasn't exactly where I wanted it to be. Um, And playing Psychonauts 2 definitely highlights a lot of the elements that were clunkier that I kind of either waved over or sometimes maybe even willfully debated against about the first game because of how much better the second one is. But the second one is not without its uh, moments that I kind of wished for more. Um, I wished for a longer game because there were so many uh, big teased stories that I feel like didn't really get its just moments in the sun, whether it be the relationship between uh, Helmet, Fulbert, and Bob Zanotto. I really wish we could have gotten a little bit more of that uh, to like some of the Grilovia elements because so much of the mental health aspects of the story were so well thought out and so much of like the mental health aspects that goes with being a refugee but not enough on like the actual uh grulovian family elements that they put so much emphasis at at the end uh additionally i feel like as much as i found a lot of that humor there um in the first game the humor was super strong in the first half and then because of the nature of what they were discussing it tended to uh drop speed at the second half and while i didn't feel like that happened here it was missing some of the extra irreverent gross out weird for the sake of weird elements of humor like i didn't really have my dugan blowing up a squirrel uh, part mm. to it here while the interns were amazing and hilarious um, everyone unless they were like literally out of their minds was a little bit more grounded than the first game um, and I really only got that with like Dr. Lobato which are things that I love but I would like to see it peppered through because one of the things that I love is that Psychonauts mixes this great overarching sense of empathy with like these absolute bizarre eclectic irreverent types of humor and while it was there it wasn't there in full force the way it was in the first game which is a much more flawed game but the the humor in the first half was definitely something that i was missing um additionally uh this is less of a rant because it's not that it's like poorly built in my mind it's just i suck at it and i hated it so much uh Good fucking God, the germ level. Such cool world building. Um, that stupid ball. That stupid fucking ball. I fell off that stupid fucking ball so many times and rant. Or that that part where you actually where you have to go up the elevator and they keep taunting you by saying, Oh, the elevator's fixed just as you complete it. That part. Like oh, yeah. on the bowling ball. I was going oh. crazy. Yeah. Great rant. 
Hmm. Uh, we pass another checkpoint, which means you pressing the stick forward and you thought you were going horizontally, but you're actually going vertically and the surface is something that it wasn't before. That's good game design. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, guys. I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now <laughs> it's game on, which means we get to just chat. And the first thing I'll say is I want to agree with Vanessa about... The humor the of the supporting cast, which is interesting. The supporting kids in the first game felt like refugees from a 90s Nickelodeon show. Yeah. And the supporting cast in this game felt like cool collection of Gap kids who are like perfectly friendly and nice to hang out with. Not as funny. Definitely well, not they, as funny. They were, I also think they were a little meaner than than the kids were in the first one which made yeah, them they make you less likable or whatever yeah you know. like it like they weren't i think they had bits but their bits didn't land as much because they were kind of they were a little bit meaner and not in a kid like way and like a more competitive weird way uh, I did, like, wait, did anyone ever get raz's original clothing back or was that an attempt to update his outfit I think that was an attempt to update his outfit because I never got his original clothing back. I, will I thought say, at the end of the game we'd earn the original outfit and we never did, which bothered I thought me. So I too. also wish it was longer. Yeah, go ahead. Vanessa, um, no, I also wish it was longer. There were so many elements that like 
the end of the game where I'm like, do I get to like expand on this more? I felt the same way with like a lot of the kids, especially like Norma leading this mole charge. And I get what they were trying to do. I get that they were like, you know, trying to do this like, oh, maybe everyone else thinks you're the spy and that's why they're treating you that way. I feel like mm-hmm. the only kid whose humor really landed was Dugan's sister, uh, Samantha, with like specifically the like the whale bit yeah. was one that yeah, made yeah, me laugh yeah. really hard. That um, was one of the only mo- yeah. And power of whale. Yeah, power of whale. And then just seeing the whale come down. Like all of Samantha's bits were funny. Um, but they also didn't really get its time in the sun. And I think it's <laughs> I think it's because the only like child that Raz interacts with as much as he does in the first game is Lily, who is his girlfriend. And mm-hmm. he had a best friend. He had Dugan around for like a lot of the first game. He didn't really have a best friend character other than an old man here that he could do like dumb kid riffs with. Yeah, yeah they had. I mean, they tried to make him closer to level with the adults that he's investigating. Because I think which that, was the I, promise of the first one is that he would be a real spy now. Yeah. And, and I think they achieved that. He feels like he's really involved in real spy shit this time. And it feels yeah. like he grows. I mean, like like yeah. the thing that we haven't even talked about in any of the rants even is that like they kind of do a, a more daring sort of plot device for Raz, which is like he learns he has the ability to actually manipulate people's minds and then he has to accept the consequences for that. And yeah. like they're they're stark. They're stark consequences. And that's kind of what this story's really about in a broader sense. Um and that's I don't know, like it's not as whimsical. It's not a, it's not kids at a camp. Yeah. It's know? it's harder to, it kind of has to be grounded by the nature of a lot of these discussions. Because when it was kids in a camp, it was like, oh, ha, 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 Raz's friends are kind of deranged. And there was, and I'm not saying this is a detractor at all. I love it a lot. I think maybe the humor just needed to exist somewhere else. I just think it should have been more of wherever that somewhere else was. Um, It's obviously so clear in the Bob Zanotto episode, but it's kind of the through line for everything, which is every there's more empathy given to everybody has the seed of something that can spin into something else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've actually been talking about this a lot lately, ever since I played this, a big thing of the through line is sometimes the tools that help you in survival become the thing that hurt you later. And for some people it's more difficult to figure out when those things no longer serve you than others. Um, I think from like from Maligula's character to Cassie, like with the multiple identities, it's pretty much like from beginning to the end, the tools that served you then don't serve you now. It is time to let these things go. Mm hmm. I mean, I, I think, that, I love I think that that's, that's an interesting thing that's going on in media in general, a topic that we kind of never visited until like, I don't know, the last 15 years. Yeah. Well, you know, it like, is. And it's just kind of the basic precept of modern talk therapy, which is funny. <laughs> right. I mean, it, but it's I like think teaching people that. Well, that's fine, though, because, yeah, like, no, it uh, is. you know, I mean, a lot of stories are sort of basic moral parables. So it's kind of nice to have an updated framework for those parables. Uh, well, what, 
Yeah. What was interesting to me is that it, it they were parables that I do feel. So this is where I will start hyping the game up is I think there are profound storytelling moments in and of themselves, line to line that would never exist if this were made by any team other than a team who were people who are in their middle age or older. Yeah. Like there's stuff that you actually can only learn from life. Like the game has real wisdom in it. Some of the stuff that these skeletons in the maternity ward inside, uh, is that Hollis's hot streak? Oh yeah. Hollis's is. hot yeah, streak. Yeah. Yeah. S- uh, say some, like what would I consider pitch black satire? Like they hit the jackpot, which means they get pregnant in the real world. And they're like, now we'll be happy and our marriage will be saved or something like that. I'm like, damn, dude, this is like some real. The themes are mature and adult, which is interesting because everything's bright colors and it's still in the style of. But you can tell from the writing that all the writers have like lived lives. You know what I mean? It had oh, yeah. it had a real grounding to it of like, this is a real story written by mature adults. I mean, that tells uh, which you... Which is almost a weird thing to say about a Psychonauts game. But it's not. But I could because feel that. It tells you they were going for the same people that played the original Psychonauts. That's what grown that tells... That, yeah. Yeah, That's exactly. what that tells you. And like, Raz feels grown up. I mean, to a degree, yeah. I mean, that, actually, that's what's funny is because like when he acts like a kid, I think the game's a little like, eh. You know what I mean? But like when he starts to act like sort of a young 20 year old, which is about the age I'd think he really was mentally, uh, yeah. you know, it starts to really work. I, I also think... just find it weird to realize that the voice actor is at least 16 years older than they were when they recorded the original Raz. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking about that the whole time and trying to hear it in their voice and feeling like I could. Like when you listen to when you watch a modern Simpsons and you feel bad for uh, Kavanaugh, you're like, oh, no, Marge sounds real gravelly. Oh no, Richard Horvitz hasn't missed a beat. Like I've heard him in other things and I feel, uh, actually I was playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart in which he is a character in it. Um, He's, um, oh my God, I can't remember the name, but he's a tiny murder robot. Uh, But he's basically just doing Zim in it, which is a higher- Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it's like a higher voice than Rad, and he's still doing it. I don't know how Richard Horvitz has like protected his voice to where he could just yeah. do like small children forever, but he can. But like, I think. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh. Is it the is it the the antagonist from Rift Apart? Is the same actor as Rez? No, not the antagonist. No, he's no the. the... Um... That is Armin Shimmerman, who's Quark okay. on Deep Space Nine, <laughs> which is amazing. He's it's Dr. Nefarious. The tiny robot. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yes. I yeah, know whenever you now. get like a new weapon or you yeah, go down yeah, yeah. to the arena. But Doom, like. Boom! We're going to fight in the arena. Yeah, that guy. Exactly. He's basically okay. just doing. He even says like filthy humans at one point. He's just doing Zim. Mm. Um, and I said Julie Kavanaugh, and Marge's voice is Julie Kavner. Apologies. Or I had to get that out or I would get so much shit. But let's continue. <laughs> I didn't even notice, but I think Raz kind of needs to be a kid because especially when you're talking about mental health, anything, um, and especially in like ludonarrative storytelling, where as the main character, like you are the thing, this is your vehicle. Uh, it's very important to establish that, uh, main character, whoever it is, whoever you are, has an element of like not knowing anything. Um, because, I feel like anytime you get to like a mental health story in like uh, TV or movies, it's such a, well, I've got nothing going on on my end. I'm doing great. And I know how to tell everybody uh, what they need to do to fix 
their shit and it's just a it's not fun and b it's just very willfully misguided so i think by raz being inherently a child he has that like i don't know almost that like plato essence of like the only thing i know about everything is that i don't know anything mm. um and it's it's why he needs to have like it's he it's why he needs to have these little kid elements because he needs someone to pull him aside and be like no matter how much you know know that it's almost nothing which is a very adult like you only know that once you're an adult and you go oh no i'm yeah. in my mid-30s now and i don't know shit i guess my parents didn't know shit that whole time oh no no one knows shit Oh my God, <laughs> which I think is the healthy conclusion to arrive at. And I, I'm more scared by people who are like, no, I'm 40 and I know everything. I know every, how everything should go. And I'm like, mm, that's a much more unhealthy viewpoint in my opinion. But uh, I do think it's also fascinating because it highlights something that only gaming can do as a medium, which is, so we were talking about, so like, you know, back in the day, so much fiction was based on the id ego and super ego because mm-hmm. that was an accepted psychological like and it lends itself to storytelling right our three is a good number they're they're big iconic monolithic things you can make characters that represent them so we'd have all kinds of parables that support that and normalize that as a real thing oh that's real the idiot going super ego i do love what adam points out about how we have a lot more stories nowadays that are normalizing the much more modernized version of that idea, which is family of origin stuff and all this stuff about how you you develop behavior patterns through learned coping mechanisms and then you try to apply them later in life to mixed effect. That's like a more modern view of, you know, it's like updating the acting method from, no, you got to be the guy to like the more complex method we have today. And you could... That story of learning and adapting and having coping mechanisms and trying to use the same strategy, but having to use it in a different way to like survive or cope or thrive actually is so interestingly aligned to gaming because gaming's interactive. Like I think gaming's the perfect way to tell that story better than a movie. Easily. Um, Because you, a staple of gaming is you develop new powers and you apply them to problems over and over. So it's like primed to make statements about family of origin, how we use our coping mechanisms, how we attack problems. Um, And that actually makes me wish the game had gone further again. I'm like, so then why aren't there like satirical twists on... Like at some point, Raz should use his power and it blows up in your face. Or at some point, Raz should have to actively give up all his powers to succeed. Or I don't know. I just thought all the colors that they're working for, so working with, are so cool, and the palettes there. And I did feel like they could go farther in a lot of directions. Um, But also, I can't make a game, and like it was kickstarted. Like it's still so, and it's a twenty-five hour game. You know, I feel like such a prick saying. It should be 80 hours and much more I, challenging. I, it's like, fuck you. This, this, is, <laughs> this is where I feel obligated to jump in, and I actually disagree with almost all of that. Like, I, I do not think it should be longer. Uh, I think it was exactly as long as it should be. Um, I was getting tired of the story by the end because there was a lot of it. Like, I, like this, is, this game needed to be sized enough to justify... On like the core loops and mechanics and stuff, which are not that diverse, like and and you're saying, for instance, like oh that this game should explore some of these concepts and make them take kind of no, like, like the badges were pointless. There were whole pointless yeah, there were pointless systems. yeah, yeah. And, pins and, and badges are so not needed. Well, and I would say that was kind of part of Psychonauts one too. 
Like, it was clear they were trying to pad out the game. Like, they had a really solid story and levels. And they were like, okay, so how can I give the fans, like, 80 hours of content with right. what is essentially 25 hours of game? The figments are an attempt yeah, at that. Yeah. yeah. And I just think, like, they don't need to... I, well... I don't have any nostalgia for this game. And so therefore I'm trying to evaluate it from like, what do I want from this experience that I didn't have a lot of expectations for? And I think it's really solid given that I really do. Like, and I think that the problem is I'm not the right guy to evaluate this as a success or not, because it really seems like only people like you guys are the people who can judge whether it worked or not. You know what I mean? Like, like, and I mean that in a, like, I don't mean to like degrade my own opinion. I just mean like, you are the target audience. It's for people who already played Psychonauts 1 and loved it. That's who And needed- it did work. And it just felt slightly safe in that way, where yeah. they knew what, who their audience was. And it makes sense that it was a kickstarted game, right? It felt yeah. like fan service for the people who paid for it to get made, which it should be, I suppose. You know, like, but I also, Some things are well just that good. indulgent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, well, it's... I, I don't think... Yeah, I think this was like a really measured and i said so i could see that that's a disappointing word but like a very triumphant version of a measured success you know like it's mm-hmm. it's like look they they needed to justify a lot of game stuff that i think the original fans don't care that much about but like they needed it to be a good platformer i mean it was faithful to as vanessa alluded to but i just think it's worth highlighting there's a VR game called The Rhombus of Ruin that freaking no one played because statistically very few people have access yet to VR. Yeah. And yet it fully involves that story thread. Like, yeah. it was fresh off the events of Rhombus of Ruin, which was like more loyal to itself than I thought it even needed to be. It was interesting that they're like, Psychonauts we integrated fans this. Care. Psychonauts is real. Psychonauts is a continuing story. The beats have to matter and exist going forward. I was like, oh, good on you. Like, cool. I taking your IP seriously. Okay. Well, I mean, it's like if they put out an Undertale sequel, we're not going to assume that it's going to be made for a lot of new eyes. It's going to exist for Undertale. Right. Like, Didn't they, by the way? Yeah. But I mean, in, like, it's an it, anagram of it. Yeah. Like, Delta Rune. That's it. Delta Rune. It's one Sorry, of those things ahead. where I'm like, it's like if they brought back Firefly. They're not bringing back Firefly for new audiences. We know Never. who that's for. Um, right. But s- saying that and like knowing that like Psychonauts 2 exists for those that loved Psychonauts 1, uh, I did watch a few people play it for the first time. And while the initial story still – like the initial story re- – moment still left a few questions by the time they got like deeper into the game it made them want to play the first one uh and i'm not Mm. saying that's like something across the board but it is something that i witnessed and was cool to see that knowing nothing about the first game or even rhombus of ruin that Mm -hmm. and that there was like initial confusion at like why they should care about certain elements or story plot it was cool enough and unique enough, and also we're just thirsty for platformers that it made a few people want to go back and play the first one, well, which I think is especially good for something that like exists as fan service, but is also yeah. bringing people back to wanting to explore the franchise. I, but I also can I so like here's where I, I'm playing both sides like an evil bastard. So like <laughs> I also think that part of people's reaction to this game is the time it's coming out which is in the middle of like a fucking desert of video gaming you know what i mean like this game this is the perfect time 
for this game to come out because if it had come out in a year where there was I don't know a couple other platformers or like big time Switch releases or I don't know for Horizon Forbidden West or any of that stuff I don't think this game would have drawn the kind of attention that people are giving it even on an individualized experience like it was like the only new game for like three months you know I what will I mean say, like wholeheartedly agree because you know due to the pandemic things are extremely slow right now we're in a gaming desert but at the same time it feels like people are moving past things fairly quickly because get death loop was so anticipated and then the conversation almost immediately halted after despite the fact that it like right. had pretty good reviews we may be in a gaming desert but we're actually kind of far from a nostalgia and platformer desert because that's kind of all that came out this year and a lot of the ones that did come out this year came out this year and came out swinging swinging hard like for me the only other game of the year contention other than Psychonauts 2 is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart which is another nostalgia tinged wow. platformer that is doing exceptionally well no no I, I can't <laughs> not, none of this is great I can't do this uh uh wait a minute so like there's, there's a bunch of games that completely deserve game of the year conversations that are not well we should do an ep- game of the year episode but yeah that will be a <laughs> I mean, that seems like I, a lot of effort just to say inscriptions the game of the year. <laughs> you and Dave with this fucking inscription. Look, so, oh, have you played it, Adam? Hey, I've seen a little bit of it. Yeah, I haven't been able to play you it because I don't have a PC. I think you'd appreciate I'm sure what I would. it's doing. I'm sure I would. I, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's one I of those. I'm using this voice. Yeah, I know you are. Fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> If you, I, I'm, I'm going to remember this moment because I'm coming back mm-hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to stab inscription to death when we do this, when we do this podcast. I promise. Oh you. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I didn't think you'd ever deign to cover it. I imagine I'd cover it. Get covered, of course, but, I would. Okay. Why not? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so, but wait though. So, Ratchet and Clank also was a very good game. But I, but like we did a one-upsmanship on on Ratchet and Clank. Vanessa mm-hmm. wasn't on that episode, but like we thought it was okay. Like, that was kind of the vibe. And, like, actually, I find myself partially agreeing with Vanessa. Like, that is one of the games of the year. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's, like, sort of indisputable. Well, it wasn't a great year. It was a pandemic well, year. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and so, like, that's why I'm like, look, this is where the five-year rule really ought to apply. You know what I mean? Because, like, I, I don't know that we're going to remember Psychonauts 2, ne- like, a year from now. Like, do you think we're going to remember I mean, I'll it? remember it for the rest of my life because I love the IP so much, but no, not we could. Oh, you mean, will anyone be talking about it? Like, will it be in the zeitgeist? <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, will no it way. mark anything significant? Will it, will it have any, like, will, as storytelling, will it matter? I don't know if it'll mark anything significantly, but as storytelling, like, I feel like if you love storytelling and if you love talking about storytelling, you have to include ludonarrative storytelling in that conversation. I don't think there's any way to because it's like it's it's the next step in like how do we develop what a story is. And I know that like in the overarching scheme of video game conversations, I don't think Psychonauts 2 is going to be included, but when it comes to storytelling conversations, I feel like it has to be included, especially when it comes to ludonarrative stories, because it does this thing by telling a story that only it can tell correctly. There are so many mediums where you watch something for the first time tell a story that only it's able to tell, like the first time you see Singing in the Rain and you realize that can never happen again because it's a story about a change right. that's never going to have something like that. And I feel like Psychonauts 2 is 
uh, such a good indicator of like, this is the next vehicle of storytelling. If you really want to create empathy as like a lived experience by the player, because when it comes to like the first time I saw a panic attack sequence and it was illustrated mm-hmm. in a way that felt real, but wasn't triggering, but was like a comfortable mirror in which something else saw me or the like conversations of addiction given more care and more thoughtfulness as to like how it starts and how it keeps going and how it really is literally living one day at a time more than any movie or anything I've ever seen done as well as the Bob Zanotto storyline and how that was handled. And if you're somebody that like loves storytelling is researching storytelling and is kind of looking at like what these next advancements are while it's small, while it's footprint isn't huge psychonauts two did do something different. And at this point untouchable when it comes to telling this kind of story. Mm. Agreed. But it's impossible to have the same earth shattering effect that psychonauts one did if you're going to stay faithful to the same bag of tricks, which they do, and it's yeah. an evolution of the bag of tricks, but it will never be the first time anyone ever thought of that because it's a sequel. That's, and that's that is thing. a real thing. Yeah. Well, so can I, like, I actually think that this game does a few things that I, I want to quantify what Vanessa's talking about. So, cause like to me, there's like three or four innovations that are like, wow, this is unique to this game, or if not unique, it's done really well and memorably in this game. One of them is, they managed to create actual like behavior actions, like like player actions that mean something abstract that are different than say like, you know, jumping from this to that. Like so in Ratchet and Clank, when I shoot something or when I jump to a platform, there's not another level to it. There's no meta conversation about those actions, right? The only meta conversation is sort of like, how do these story elements you know weave together and does that reflect anything about our society and so on, right? Whereas in Psychonauts, they have that whole mechanic where you're actually zipping between ideas. And it's literally a zipline mechanic, but it's fusing ideas together to create a new behavioral or emotional sensation in the host whose brain you're in. Right. And that's a really, that's a lot of abstraction that they managed to make very meaningful in a single action. And elegant and seamless. Yeah, yeah. And there's a bunch of things like that. Like that, there's a bunch of little things like that that they tried. To- every enemy, every enemy is not like, well, we thought of a cool goblin, so we drew it. Well, we thought of a cool bat, so we drew that. Every enemy represents. And you're like, I get it. Right. I get the reference, and I derive meaning from the way the enemy is. Like a panic attack. Oh, that makes sense. That it's that that is its attack sequence. And I would say, like I would say this game more faithfully executed that notion than the first game did. And I think because yeah, because of that, it's actually clearer. Like it's actually clearer what they were going for, like causally and thought, like narratively and linearly, than the other one was. So there's that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, and like again, this game didn't invent it, but it did it uniquely. They there's so few games that are able to visualize abstract concepts in the environment the way this game is able to. Mm-hmm. Like I like for instance, you talked about how much you hate the teeth. That teeth level was fantastic. 
fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it starts with a banger. Yeah, it right. That's a banger, and it's not just a banger. The levels are structured like the way you structure tracks on an album. I felt. Yeah, <laughs> they're like. Yeah, you got to have a hit up top. You got to close with a hit. You can bury some weak levels in the middle. They're not. They aren't all amazing, but the three yeah. or four that are amazing are amazing. Not just because they're cool, designed, or visually interesting, but because they take the craft of visual representation to a new level that other games have not tried. Like I would say in some ways, last of us two is exploring similar themes to this game, you know, Mm -hmm. but like last of us two is the least abstract game I can think of. Like it's, there's no abstraction in that game. Whereas this game dares to be entirely in the abstract. Like most of its meaning is derived from abstractions based on player actions. And that Mm -hmm. is daring. That's a yep. daring thing, and that is cool about this game, and it's much cooler here than it was in Psychonauts 1, in my opinion. Deeply much so, cooler. and I think a big part of that is, um, and just something that I like would like to see happen across gaming, across storytelling, across like anybody that's trying to figure out how to tell something as complicated from like mental health to race to anything that like can't really be told from one point of view, they sought consult. <laughs> they like asked several teams one of them i believe was like take this.org which is specifically a company that works for like mental health and gaming causes they looked for consultation to make sure that when they tell this story not a single human being from like every spectrum of like mental health experiences can feel like i don't want to say not included but like othered and targeted in some way that like uses language that could be like distractingly dated within a matter of like months and years after a second look. And that's the kind of thing that can only be achieved when you like look for consult outside of yourself to gain further insight. And it's something that isn't as common in gaming, but or storytelling, but I feel like should be. And this is a good indicator as to why. It's a new transcendent sacrifice comes to mind as well. They did a great job. They, with that. Yeah, they take the they take their premise very seriously, like very mm-hmm. very, and they and they take a social responsibility for their premise. Um, and that's like I don't know, man. That's pretty daring. If we're gonna applaud games like Last of Us Two, which I do, uh, or even you know Red Dead Redemption, yeah. which I do, for carrying out these like player actions that have meaning, this game has so much of that. It's just like loaded yeah. with for it. Real? Uh, that said, okay, can I transition to something else? Uh, you're going to hate me for this, but I don't care. Um, I don't think the Grulovia thing works. You know, like how we were talking about it as an emotional uh-huh. uh, core thing? I don't think it works. And here's what I mean by that. I, I feel like I'm being educated about what Grulovia is the entire way through the story so that I care at the end. And it, that didn't work for me. Did that work for you guys? Are you like, by the end, you're like, wow, this Grulovia story like matters emotionally it, to you? Um, no more than, but in any Star Trek episode where they say like, well, millions of people were killed, it's hard for it to matter in your bones immediately like an animal, but it matters to me. You know, of course, if when millions of people died, that right, of matters course. to me. Right, right. But, but So I, the Grulovian people, when it when it's revealed, I guess it would have been great if we had a level where we experienced in some way what Maligula did. Like we experienced we the flood or the tsunami. Right. 
which we we don't until the end when we fight her, and it's supposed it's, to be a cathartic yeah. wrap up, and it's not because we never had like what you might call the midpoint of this story. Well, the villain's darkest sin that they committed that really showcases their mental illness challenge is not actually lived out. And that is that seems like a whiff. It, I agree it's, with that's that. a big problem because the last yeah. level should be really awesome. They're more concerned with how Ford feels about it than yes, the thing itself. That's right. Yeah. And the last level was planned and executed as though they had done a midpoint in the scene where you like saw the genocide. Right. If you had if yeah. that happened and then you do this Grulovia level, it's a home run. Oh my god, or if you went you in know? her head and did something that was a metaphor for genocide right. that's chilling, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, I, I just wanted to point that out because we're we're yeah, I just want to make sure that piece of the narrative get, got commented on because it bothered me you a know, lot. You get such a small piece of it, and I wish we had more because when it happened it made sense. Where like Raz sees all the insects holding the protest signs and then realizes that they're like crushed under his feet and that they're like represented of humans and of those actual protesters. And I feel like if that moment had like a little bit more weight or was extended or played through a little bit more, it might've it, it might've like had better impact. Or if you like explored it through the family, cause it's entirely doable. Cause like, uh, so this could be the fact that I'm especially loopy every morning, but I'm going to go on a little bit of a long walk to get to a point. Um, I recently rewatched the shining Oh, and yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I realized that the only reason why you believe that Jack Torrance did all of these things that you never initially saw, the like, you know, dislocating Danny's shoulder and like what kind of man or father he has been, the you never see those things, but the only reason you believe it's there and that weight is hanging over you is because of like the way the family acts, the way they've like adjusted their behaviors around this man who they can't really like trust and who they don't mm-hmm. know when or if he's going to fly off the handle. And in so many things, you can get away with not showing what the actual instance was if you show how much of like an earth shattering change it was in the people that are like left to survive it and like reckon with it and we get all of these like moments of levity with like Raz and his Grulovian family but we don't get to see those these moments of like how were they changed forever because of what happened in their past because like I know that as like somebody whose family came from like separate countries that were experiencing different kinds of conflict I know that we like bag a ton of food when we leave a buffet because we still have that like internal feeling of like when is something going to happen again mm, mm. i know we have like these changed behaviors and approaches to things because a grenade went off in our bloodline a few years back but i don't really see it here yeah the effects of being refugees which is yeah well are are called for they call upon that for emotional weight but the emotional weight isn't super explored they mostly stay in the And you do have to do it, though. You do have to do it if you're going to use it as an emotional mechanic. You know what I mean? Like you do have to you you have to let dumb dumbos like me in so that I know what that is. Exactly. Because like it's oh, ha ha ha. They're a traveling family and they just set up what wherever. But why? Why do they not have like a set place or a set home and how like we see the chin up part of it and not everything else. And I think especially when it comes to like refugee type conversations, that's a really difficult conversation to have if you don't have that much uh, 
knowledge on it or if like if it's something that you're kind of scared of looking in the face because most people are because they feel like they're helpless to the situation but they don't know what to do so like a homeless man approaching them for money they rather not look at it in the eyes and maybe just like make it sing and dance instead that's tough i mean so yeah (laughs) this is such a mixed review of both applauding them for their ambition and then scolding them for not going far enough with their narrative elements or not scolding, but just sort of like wishing for more because everything else was better done. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's the right tone. It's like, you've demonstrated that you can show me that empathy and that you can show me that forethought and that social responsibility and, you know, bringing in outside help and all these other elements. Um, I wouldn't be so hard on something unless I knew it could do better in that element. You know I'm so hard on you, don't you, Lieutenant? Because you can take it. It's that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know you can take it. Um, okay. So, with a great air of suspense and not knowing what I'll say, but that's honest. I don't know what I'll say. I'm going to move us along into our final segment. Keep or delete? Hey, fam. I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like a recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to Black women the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Where we have to take 
our nuanced mixed opinion and slot it in just one way or the other that those are the only options this is where we decide whether the game would make it onto a celestial hard drive of important seminal games that we need to like show the aliens to prove that humanity is worth saving or um when humanity is all destroyed this will be the only games that make it to heaven like however you want to conceptualize that we like to think of it as finite but we have never decided how many games fit on it um, but, you know, so with that nebulous goal in mind, let's say, Adam, would you keep or delete this game to make room for other games? Um, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep this game, but I'm going to delete Psychonauts 1 because I think this is... You'd update yeah. by replacing. Yeah. Okay, got yeah. it. I think the, co- the French... A move we haven't heard before, but I think it's valid, and I think I'll probably use that move in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, well, I think that was sort of the way we talked about Horizon Zero Dawn, right? Like, yeah. uh, and I think that the sequel came out here, and I think it's better uh, as a game, uh, and therefore, this is the one, the, the concept deserves to be kept, so this is the one to keep, in my opinion. Um, I guess I'll go next. I'm going to delete it, Adam, um, which I guess is predictable. It's like it's weird that we're in a universe where Adam kept and I deleted because I probably, because I do have nostalgia for it, got more joy out of the game than you did. Not that there's a way to quantify or prove that, but I'm like, I love this game, but I'm going to delete it because of the thing I said about how in my gut, the first game was a revelation. And the second one is like stepping up to the plate and doing the same thing again, even slightly better. But I'm like, but the first one was magic because it was the first one. There's something special about the first and I can't, Mm. this didn't evolve the bag of tricks so much that it supplanted the first one in my mind. Uh, And I like things that feel weird and underpolished and janky. So I like the first one better. There we go. Wow. Vanessa, what do you think? Uh, I am selfishly keeping both. While the first one was absolutely (laughs) a revelation to me, uh, I think the second one, um, and this is part of what I mean of like the selfish elements of it, the second one just feels like it's for me. It feels like it's mine. It feels like something was made... (laughs) with all of the Vanessa boxes to check, which I know might make it not for everyone, but it is why I adore it so much from like the elements of like its discussion with addiction, which is something that I like am constantly revisiting um, because I'm an addict forever, but also like the Cassie parts of the story, which we didn't really get into, but like when it comes to code switching and changing your identity for the sake of survival is such a such mm-hmm. a storyline I've never seen experienced. And then I got to play it in a video game. So like I know everything that I love about it might not be someone's favorite and that is fine by me. I just, I love this game so much and I'm excited to experience it at different junctures of my life, at different relationships that I have with like my own mental health journeys to see how different parts impact me again. That's a great point. But I already deleted it, so I can't play it no, again. You can't. Oh, well. You gotta come over well, and play it then. Actually, what you can do, <laughs> what you can do is if you have Xbox Game Pass, you can play mm-hmm. this game for free. And like, I'm not, a, I'm not an Xbox shill. 
I just think once uh, clearly you are. Well, wait a minute. Once, it's literally your shilling Xbox. Once in a while, I think you got to acknowledge how fantastic that is for games. I might, if it wasn't for the show, I would never have played this game. Except for Xbox Game Pass makes that possible. Like I would play this game like independent of the show because Man, it's free. And IGN gets shit for this all the time. Uh, dude, I don't care. I, I don't care. I don't care if people. No, no. That's what I'm saying is it's such a good deal that our reporters who are just exposed to it because of the news or they'll see what's on game pass. Our reporters will constantly just tweet shit. Like, man, it really like Xbox game pass is an amazing like, deal. It, I just want people to know so that they can get it. And everyone's always like Xbox must've cut you a check. And it's like, no, it's such a good deal that people are motivated to tell others about it's it. Irresponsible it's irresponsible as people who, <laughs> as people who talk about games critically, it's irresponsible yeah. not to mention it sometimes. And this is like this is one of those times where it's like that game yeah. is one of the best games of the year and it came out for free on day one. And most people probably won't play it because it's not like a, you know, an a triple A thing. And like, hey, you know, Xbox is doing something for gaming by with this. You know, anyway, that's it. Right. And that indeed is it. Uh I'm sorry it couldn't be longer, but I have to dip out to lead an AA meeting, so Addiction themes also resonate with this young bear. Mm. You like that, Adam? You like how I, I like that you're a young bear. I've always thought it'd be that, that way. I'm a young yeah. bear. I don't know. I'm just trying it out. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it was a nice I like outing. It. Yeah, agreed. Right. This was fine. <laughs> this, yeah, this, this was, was fine. fine. <laughs> what a fine podcast we put out today. <laughs> I mean, if you average out Vanessa's incredibly Maybe. insightful points with what we talked about, it was a fine episode. She's, <laughs> I would say it'd be even double fine. Oh. Uh, mm. Okay, we'll leave this on is that. Why she's... Yeah, bad pun. That's a mic drop. Yeah. Let's get out right. of here. Work complete. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.